Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know, the musical theatre podcast by musical theatre lovers for musical theatre lovers. Welcome, friends. It's me, KB. I'm your host for today, and joining me at the table is Miranda. I'm also here. And. Old Maddie Samoa. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's you, been a while. But we have only just begun so imagine where we're going to go from here my goodness i know crazy um you have brought to the table today camelot Mm -hmm. but before we get to know camelot this is only your second time on the show which means we have to get to know you just one last time just one last time and then you've got everything and then we've got apparently got everything Mm -hmm. yes miranda are you ready getting to know you it's very bright today Feeling bright. I like Feeling it. Feeling happy. Yay! So, you've done the quiz before. Quite. Maybe your answers will be the same. Maybe they won't. <gasps> <gasps> Who knows? Only you so far. So, let's get going. Which musical character would other people compare you to? I would say they would compare me to... Mm, I had an answer in mind and then I forgot it. <laughs> uh, it's going I, well so far. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think they would com- compare me to uh, Jerry Mulligan from An American in Paris. Ah, all right. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. um, which musical character would you like other people to compare you to? That's a very good question. Uh, I think it's the same as last time. Uh, the Pirate King from Pirates of Penzance. Yes. I feel oh, like that's been said <laughs> I'm, I'm a <laughs> Is that your dream role? It is, but since I have developed a, like a further dream role oh, that what? I think I would do better. No, stop it. Yes. What is it? It's actually from this very show, Camelot, Lancelot. Oh, Lancelot's always going to be a fun role. Right? Lancelot, um, Lancelot is... <laughs> is a very different character in this show than is in Spamalot. Uh, yes. Um, just checking, did you want to revise your answer given that both are an option? Which Lancelot would you which, like well, to Which one? I actually, La- I actually would like to revise my answer. I actually would like to Lancelot revise my answer. Because this, this happens every time. I'm like, I had a dream role and it's like, I guess it was Lancelot. No, it's actually Alan Swan from the musical My Favourite Year. Oh, we've just gone completely okay. like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, forget what? them. What? <laughs> um, I wish I could say, oh, I know that role, but I don't. It's a very little known musical. 
It was a adaptation from a 1967 film with Peter O'Toole yeah. as Alan Swan, and he's like this. He's a parody of Errol Flynn in his like later years when he right. was like a has been yeah. and <laughs> on a variety show. Right. And it's about this one week where this like r- young writer who's like a big fan of this Errol Flynn kind of surrogate has to take care of this drunken wastrel that Errol Flynn has become for a week to make sure he appears on the show. And <laughs> Alan Swan is just spectacular in it. <laughs> cool. Amazing. I love it. Um, not related at all. Um, what is your favourite Sondheim show? It used to be Sweeney oh. Todd. But because of this very show what? and the episode on Assassins, <gasps> it's now Assassins. Oh! We're making a difference in the world <laughs> to the one person. <laughs> well, that's very cool. Assassins yeah. is a very good show. It's very it's very rare to have assassins as someone's favorite sometime. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's spectacular. It's usually in, Sweeney into, Todd the or into the woods and Sweeney are the most well known, so mm. thank you for This is true. Thank you for exploring the depths of Sondheim. And and you know, taking a chance on changing your mind. Yes. I You're welcome. I think Stephen Sondheim would be proud. Yes, I think he would, old Maddie. He'd be like, oh, that old Maddie. Oh, <laughs> Maddie. It's a good thing he's listening. <laughs> I bet he does, you know. Hey. I bet he's listening to this show because sometimes we throw out some ideas for yeah. musicals yeah. Mm-hmm. or like rewrites of material yeah. and he could really pick that up and run with it. Yeah, Steve, just call great. us. Let has, us know. Has he done it yet? Um, Called us? Uh, picked no. up your ideas. Well, he might have. We, we don't, don't know. know what's been happening in isolation for everyone. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> um, is a song from Assassins your go-to shower song? It is not. Ooh, what is it then? My go-to shower song. Once again, I had it in my head and then it immediately <laughs> leapt away. Uh, blast, what was it? Go uh, back, go back. You okay, picture go yourself back. in it's the your, shower. It's your go-to song. How can you not remember it? Oh, it's Tough to Be a God from Road to El Dorado. <laughs> there you go. Road to El Dorado. I'd sing both film. parts. <laughs> <laughs> you got to sometimes. Um, and wait for it. I'm mm-hmm. pausing for dramatic effect. It's very you have to delete one musical from existence. Which one is it? So delete it. So as delete in like it. it's just gone from it. Like gone. it never happened. Look, I'd like to say it's deleted from now. Okay, so it's more like just ceasing it. Yes. Cease and desist. The show let's, is. Let's no go more. with that. Just to like change up the answer a little bit. I would go the Count of Monte Cristo musical <laughs> because it was done badly, <laughs> and I would like to do it again. Properly. Great. <laughs> so we just pretend that it never happened. It's, it's just there. We haven't done an episode on that one, have we? No. Oh, we should. We should get Maddie in to do it. <laughs> and then you can tell us all the changes you would make. Oh, uh, <laughs> that'd be a very long and episode. And that episode will be in four parts. <laughs> Join Coming. us for a month. Coming to a cinema near you. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten to know you again, Matt, let's get to know Camelot after this piece of music. You have two minutes to tell everyone what the plot of this show is. Well, I was not given a time <laughs> at the, the time, so I the have an time? essay that I'll be rushing through. The Here we go. A surprise. The time is. Uh, I should get up a timer. 
Yeah. Um, that might be put, helpful. Put me on that. Clock. Oh, is that my job? Sorry. Mar- oh yeah, Miranda, you do it. I am um, do it. You do I'm it. doing it. I'll just sit here. Everyone knows I'm very fast with the. <laughs> <laughs> can I get like a metronome? So um, <laughs> in your head, Maddie, you've got sure. to like go through it and be like, "Can I say this in two minutes? This is going to be like the fastest debate speech ever." Yeah, I'm just going. I'm just going to pick my favorite paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how a synopsis works, right? You can just skip chunks of the story. <laughs> Gratuitous <laughs> visual gag. Look at this essay I wrote for you. Look at it. This is not a visual. Okay, he's now scrolling into the fourth page. Oh, wow. oh, oh here we go. Oh, can I also no? Just just before we start, it has to be mentioned. Um, I don't know if we can take a like screenshot of this and put it in the notes, but Matthew has selected a Camelot specific font for the title <gasps> of his notes wow. page. Look at that, guys. Uh, what font is that? I just. Really- just click on it and it'll tell you. It's in called Camelot. It's we don't need any Times New Roman here. Old English text. <laughs> mm-hmm. Available in every Microsoft Word. <laughs> Microsoft sponsor us now. Okay. Great. All right. I've the timer, timer is ready now that we have filled in that other time before now. <laughs> a five, a six, a five, six, seven, eight. A history. <laughs> Camelot is an oft-forgotten and underrated musical masterpiece by the iconic duo Lerner and Lowe, first primary premiering with Sir Richard Burton as King Arthur and Dame Julie Andrews as Guinevere, with Robert Joule as the dashing Sir Lancelot. Uh, Camelot is inspired by the definitive Arthurian novel The Once and Future King by T.H. White, a four-book saga consisting of the iconic sword in the stone all the way to the final Candle in the Wind. The musical mainly focuses on the events of this final installment, detailing detailing the last weeks of Arthur's reign, the machinations and ultimately revolts by his son Mordred, Guinevere and Lancelot's demise, and the tragic king's final reflections of right and wrong. For all its levity, what I what I adore about this musical story is its choice to focus on one of the greatest tragedies in Western folklore, the fall of Camelot. <gasps> <gasps> Okay, Lerner and Lowe, as well as Camelot's original director, Moss Hart, were all coming from the chaotic, universal success of their musical, My Fair Lady. Tensions and stakes were high. Twas the classic tale of what next after tremendous success. Hart and Lerner decided upon T.H. White's quintessential fantasy published in 1958 for their next musical. For a very small background on White, he wrote the bulk of the series in Ireland as a conscientious objector of the Second World War between 1938 and 1941, thus writing a distinctly anti-war, anti-violence story ingrained with ingrained with Western identity. To adapt this at this time, just before Kennedy's escalation of the Vietnam War, is a right, proper, noble gambit. Uh, Frederick Lloyd initially had no interest in the project, but agreed to write the score on the condition that, if it went badly, it would be his last. This do-or-die spirit I found reigned throughout the whole production, as there were many uh, terrible, con- uh, terrible obstacles that went with the tragic triumph that this musical became. Uh, several problems plaguing this production, not least of which was Lerner's wife leaving him during its writing, caused, causing him to seek medical attention, uh, really contributed to the tragic kind of tone <laughs> that pervaded the whole thing. During its initial previews, it overran drastically. It was supposed to be two hours and 40 minutes. Last. That's the timer. But, in fact, we've not started the synopsis yet. Okay. <laughs> so so there's, there's been a miscommunication, and I apologise for that. Um, I was told we to provide just a history. The synopsis <laughs> in two minutes. That's uh, a, we're going to come back to some of those interesting that's facts, That's some though. super fun uh, facts in there. Yeah. I was skipping a lot. Oh, okay. So if it's just a synopsis Just because it's a synopsis, <laughs> what happens in Camelot? What is Camelot? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm just baffled. It says a history. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right, so yes, Camelot is the tale of King Arthur, and more specifically, the fall of Camelot. So it opens in the first act much more joyously. Mm. It's about King Arthur meeting Guinevere, falling in love, and proposing the idea of the Knights of the Round Table. Now, just like in La Morte to Arthur at the start and in Cromwell's later series, Warlord, Arthur in popular folklore was a warlord. Mm. He took over England through many dubious conflicts and trials, and that's how he claimed England. In um, this, yeah. Did he not claim England by pulling a sword from a stone, though? I mean, that is... Like, Disney told me that. Quite so. And Disney was inspired by T.H. White's Sword in the Stone. <laughs> okay. So T.H. White revived... Because, you know, it was a time of World War Two. he was trying to kind of promote might does not equal right. It's, it was about being, you know, compassionate, being strength. So it's so, interesting that he chooses Arthur to tell that story mm-hmm. more than once. If Arthur is actually like, hey, let me just take my army and take over, please. Big old wall. And the whole sword in the stone legend is part of the folklore. And T.H. White's, what he does is he abridged a lot of Lamorte to Arthur and the old fables into a coherent story. But he put emphasis on the fact that, and he rewrote a lot of things, that, that Merlin taught him all these lessons by turning him into animals, which is referenced heavily throughout the play, to the point that he was a worthy person to pull the sword from the stone and become king of England. And then when he meets Guinevere, Guinevere's like, you're a bandit and, I <laughs> and you're going to hurt me. And he's like, and then they fall in love and it's all about on the condition that he will found this Knights of the Round Table all about knights who use might for right rather than might is right. Mm. And that's the whole kind of premise of Act One because Lancelot joins up pretty much enamoured with the ideals of Camelot and they all join up. But the complication is, of course, that Lancelot and Guinevere fall in love. Yes. Act two, Mordred comes. Mordred ah. is the illicit son or nephew, depending what you're reading, of King Arthur in the <laughs> musical It's Son um, of King Arthur. And he is hellbent, being the, do- being the son of Morgan Le Fay, to destroy Camelot. His plan to do that is to out the affair of Lancelot and Guinevere. By doing so... So he wants to destroy Camelot because he's cranky at dad. Cranky at dad. Bit of cranky at Seems dad. Fair. And he's a big old mama's boy. Because uh, Morgan, Morgana hates Camelot. She was exiled from it. She's like, go destroy Camelot. He's like, you got it, mama. Uh, <laughs> so he goes, does that. And by this stage, Arthur has established a court of law. And because the affair gets outed, it's not just a matter of like, because he's already, he already knew about the affair. He's already forgiven them. Um, but once it's outed, she's technically committed treason. Uh-oh. And his own court of law that pretty much stipulates might for right and all about fairness and just justice and justice and strength do not equal the same thing he can't undermine that if he lets Guinevere go which he wants Mm. to do so Lancelot storms in gallantly saves Guinevere from the stake with his French army but by doing so of course he's invaded Camelot he's declared war um, King Arthur can't now has to return to the old ways that he wanted to change the old warlord ways has to wage war on his brother in arms Lancelot and Guinevere runs off and joins the nunnery, and that is Camelot. For <laughs> such a dark story, the music is quite upbeat a lot of the time. Yep. And funnier than you might expect. Yes. I like this, which is very similar to the style of how they wrote My Fair Lady, which mm. is also not really a happy-go-lucky no. story, really. No. Those, a lot of those characters are quite horrible people when yes. you think about it. So I, this this is their thing. Lerner and Lowe do this a lot. Yeah. They're like, let's just write some really nice, lovely music. Let's just musical <laughs> the storyline. Yeah, yeah. But, know, the, but the storyline is there. Mm. Like, 
Yeah, it's all that. It's it's actually annoying because, as you can tell, I'm like I'm an Arthurian fanatic, <laughs> so I've like mined like meet Hollywood and animation for like good interpretations of the Arthurian legend on screen. Yes, and the most like accurate kind of adaptation of Arthur and especially T. H. White's Once and Future King, yeah. which is the best. Is this musical really like every, everything you yeah, want? Musicals, <laughs> woo, woo! <laughs> so everything you want from the book is in this musical, and it's just begging for like a straight adaptation with big Hollywood budgets and stuff, as good as the musical is. When you say a straight adaptation, mm. do you mean taking all the gay out of it, or do you mean, I mean taking I mean, the songs out of playing it? Playing it straight in terms of the comedy kind of sense, in okay. terms of serious <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> Apologies, bad phrasing. <laughs> no, no, it was perfectly fine. So um, Merlin isn't the TV series, isn't a close... Adaptation of uh, the Arthurian story. Not enough songs. <laughs> not enough songs. There's not a dragon that come can talk to people and No, there's not a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair, that's probably the one thing that Camelot the musical could use because dragon. it is a little lacking on the mega special effects. The pyrotechnics. I, I could never imagine, you know, Camelot the arena spectacular. That's that's not gonna happen. Thank God. <laughs> um, but there, but the show was very popular. It mm. did very well. Um, but it it's still under a thousand performances. The original Broadway yeah, production, not long at all. But a lot of revivals quickly. Yes. So it went from the 1960 when it opened on Broadway. It um, did its eight eight hundred and a bit performances. It won four Tony Awards, which is also you know not hugely up there. No. Um, and it had a bit of a slow start as far as ticket sales and things go. Yeah. But then Lerner and Lowe were, um, started promoting uh, – there was an anniversary. It was the fifth anniversary of My Fair Lady. Of My Fair Lady. And they were asked to put some My Fair Lady highlights on TV yeah. and said, good idea, but better idea, we're going to do songs from Camelot. Camelot. <laughs> well, that's- and um, that's, there's those – beautiful recordings yeah. of um, Julie Andrews and Richard Burton yeah. doing numbers from Camelot um, on live TV, Yay. which is so cute in the 60s. Well, the original cast album was the best-selling LP in America for 60 weeks. That is a long time. That's more than a year. And that's best-selling. It's not yeah. best-selling musical. No, yeah. best-selling <laughs> LP. Take that, Justin Bieber. <laughs> 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 so no, it I'm was just picturing Justin Bieber singing Camelot. <laughs> Camelot. Camelot. Oh, oh, that's a good dear. one for him. Oh, um, but yes, and then uh, very quickly went US tours mm-hmm. and um, 67 the movie was released. Yeah. So yeah. that's a really short period of time to yeah. say, this is going great guns, just keep doing Let's it. Let's make a movie. Yeah. 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 Um, I would have loved to have seen Julie Andrews and Richard Burton in the film. Yeah. Oh, they would have been so good. <laughs> They're both film actors. What happened? Well, they just got, they were too busy. Yeah. Too busy they doing. They were just too busy doing everything else. That was pretty much it. Uh, R- Richard Burton said no, I think, and he just regretted it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Julie Andrews was too busy. Julie Andrews was too busy and the director wanted Vanessa Redgrave. Which, I mean, she's great. Sure. Yes. I'm well, not in this. <laughs> mm. Yes. As um, <laughs> before we started recording, um, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Richard Harris is my favourite Dumbledore. But the more I read about Richard Harris, the sadder I get. Um, and this 
didn't help. Camelot, <laughs> <laughs> reading the facts about Camelot, did uh, the movie did not help my... Oh, he's a lunatic brawler. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So um, Vanessa Redgrave and Richard Harris in the um, movie. I, I did think it was funny and I didn't really notice it until your, um, you started your spiel there, but Julie Andrews is now a dame and yes. Richard Burton is yeah. now... <laughs> like, they've been knighted. They have. They're for real. They're for real knights of the round table. <laughs> so question, Robert Goulet... Where's the knighthood? Well, he's not English. No. Uh, does that matter? I think Perhaps you have to be British yeah. okay. to, do, to be and knighted. I think, I think Australians can be knighted as well. We can be knighted for the realm. commonwealth. Knighted yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, talking about Goulet, I have found a bad review since Julie is missing from the table. <gasps> bad yes. reviews without Julie. It's called... Camelot <laughs> in variety um, and a section of it um, was it says this the current revival brings Goulet now playing Arthur back to Broadway after a long tour and mm. it has disappointments all its own <laughs> beginning with the star oh. Goulet's baritone is still rich though it's delivered in the style of an era long past more important Arthur's songs were written to be acted virtually half sung and as an actor Goulet is stiff his movements are awkward and yet portray a casual regard for the rest of the action on stage and he gesticulates his way through a song with the misplaced self-assurance of a first-year acting student. Oh, no. Um, it goes on to talk about even cruder is Patricia Keyes, Summer Stock Guinevere, though her voice on occasion eerily recalls Andrews um, and there are just dreary staging it no goes on news. and on and on. Just Which didn't this care is for a it. revival. This was after a Harris. This um, was in 1993. Yes, ah. it was quite late. Quite late. So Robert Goulet um, had originally played Lancelot. Yeah. And then in that production, he was, he was Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. yeah. So it, um, yeah, it just keeps going. The pl- the pl- it's sluggish and without a jolt of enthusiasm. It just <laughs> oh, it no. just gets worse and worse and worse. So I don't I do, know about Goulet. I do end. think it's it's definitely you know like My Fair Lady is such a beautifully constructed show, beautifully yes. written. But a lot of that comes down to the original text it was yeah. based on. Um, and I I can see there are dating problems with looking at producing Camelot now yeah. or even in the 90s even in the yeah. you sort of look 90s. at it and go oh this hasn't aged well but i think it probably deserves um uh it probably deserves a revival in a sense yes. where they can sort of embrace the kitschiness now it's sort of where that much further away from the 60s version of mm. that story yeah. that we probably could you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek a little bit more of it and, and really pull the comedy out of it, which yeah. is what, like, Kiss Me Kate does, and yeah. um, although that is written more as a comedy. But this was supposed to be a comedy. Yeah, this was supposed to be witty. funny, and it is actually quite funny. And that, now uh, it, you're right, it could be drenched in irony. It would, and it would yeah. be very, very sat- self-satirical and yeah. witty yeah. and just funny. It does deserve a revival, if anything, just because the music's so strong. yeah. It is. And, yeah, and it is good. Yeah, classically good. Yeah, like yeah, and yeah. its themes are timeless. Whereas, like, it's more of the dialogue and a lot of the pontificating. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is very 50s, 60s. Yeah. problematic. Yeah, <laughs> it is really. It is. 
Um, but four and a half hours long, the first. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. I don't think I could sit through a show that was four and a half hours long if it didn't give me like the Harry Potter cursed child two hours in between each part. <laughs> kind of <laughs> Really deal. long interval. Yeah, um, lo- so when it opened in 1960, <laughs> um, there's a quote from Noel Coward. Um, who said, only Tristan and Isolde equaled it as a bladder endurance contest. Oh. Um, he remarked that um, the show was longer than the ring cycle and not nearly as funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good one. Oh, <laughs> so no even, um, obviously they, they cut a fair bit out of it, but they were trying to trim the show when um, Lerner got hospitalised and then so, Lerner Hart, got, Moss Hart got Lerner hospitalized. got better and he, was, and he was like, tag out and Hart <laughs> went in for a heart attack. Like, so immediately they lost after. the director <laughs> and um, I thought this was the strangest thing. The writers are there going, oh, we, should, we really need to change the show and the writer says... Oh, but we can't cut anything out without the director. Yeah, Lerner Le- wouldn't make yeah. any major decisions without Hart, like, which I think so it, unusual. It's very unusual, and it's very you know problematic for the production. But God, it's touching. It's nice. It's like my buddy Hart's not here. We're not doing it. No, that's good. <laughs> but I think it it says something about particularly in these um, in these times the that collaboration. the collaboration of the creative team mm-hmm. included. The director and and well, they work together to a certain extent. The producers, to yeah, one versus the other. It tends <laughs> we we tend to now be in a real so like I've written this and it's finished. Yes. Put it on, and you're like you know uh, uh, we'll talk about changes after previews are finished. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, and then I'll just redraft it and then I'll give it back to you. Yeah. It does feel a little more adversarial, but then maybe we're not getting the whole story. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe there was a big blow up, and he was like, "You will not make any changes without me in the room." <laughs> he's clutching his heart as he's going down with the. I'll have another heart attack, and that'll be on you. <laughs> well, the sad. The sad thing is that yeah. um, just after the show opened, he did in fact have another heart attack and um, uh, he uh, passed away before the show closed. Yeah, before the show closed. Yeah. But I think by that stage, it was what we know Less it than as four now. and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that note, so that this episode isn't four and a half hours, we're going to move on to lessons we learned from Camelot. <laughs> Well, lessons Camelot has taught us, other than me slowly learning that Richard Harris was the Jared Leto of his time. Oh. Um, there's a there is a there is a fact here on the IMDb <laughs> trivia page that says, for a post marriage bath scene with Vanessa Redgrave, Richard Harris startled everyone by strutting onto the set completely nude with a large erection. Uh, and that's the point where I would have been like, filming's done for today. I won't be doing this scene. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> As yeah. Vanessa Redgrave. <laughs> Julie Andrews did not get along with Richard Harris no. in a previous film called Hawaii. Yeah. And I think she might have been counting her blessings that she didn't do the movie. I think yeah. that would have played a big part in Huge. her being like, look, I'm just too busy. Just I'm just, I just, I can't. It, it, it just interferes with uh, literally just, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take these six or seven contracts with Disney. Don't worry about it. Um, I learned that JFK likes a musical. Yes. Yeah, good old um, Kennedy. 
He actually um, has a favourite line mm-hmm. from the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for one brief shining moment that was known as Camelot. There you I go. love that that's his favourite line. That's his favourite line. He's like, at one time there was this shining star of government and it was a round table of knights. I am your president, John <laughs> F. Kennedy. I don't, that's not how he talks. But in it this, it would be a shame if it was extinguished suddenly, like suddenly. a candle in the wind. Oh no! Um, but but there's, um, since then, Camelot has been associated with the Kennedy administration. Like he really latched onto this and went, "This musical's great. Everybody learn the songs." Now he's southern. I don't know. Where's <laughs> no. Kennedy from? Quick, more <laughs> lessons before we. <laughs> Uh, Boston, I think. <laughs> Boston. Boston. Um, what did you learn from Camelot? Oh, I mean, that I just, I'm just a sucker for swashbuckling, lavish, <laughs> sweeping stories. Was this, was this the story that, that set it all off? Was this the first? My first exposure to Arthurian kind yes. of madness? No, I think my first exposure to Arthurian fanaticism would have been Disney's Sword in the Stone. Oh, but amazing. this was definitely a revival this, yeah. this well, musical. This is part two. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, because yeah. I, I read the, after the stone. <laughs> I read the Once in Future King, and I was like, "This book is the bee's knees." I wonder if it's on film. So, and I love musicals, so I was like, "Oh, there's a musical based on it." Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I think within like two weeks, I watched like four different productions that I could find, including the movie. Yeah. Just, just looped it. It's, Amazing. It's fantastic. So I think what I learned from the musical specifically, mm-hmm. not just the story. Yeah is that if you go into something as chaotic and lavish and kind of overextension of effort as Camelot is, with enough heart and enough belief and enough like enthusiasm for ballads, you, you pull it off. You know, it's all about confidence. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, like a good Julie, ballad is about confidence. Like Julie Andrews was handed before I gaze at you again, like right before the New York preview. <sighs> Classic Sondheim move. And, and she remarked... Uh, Next time, give it to me bef- on the night before. <laughs> and she still did it. She still nailed it. Yeah. What a professional. Yeah. <laughs> Miranda's not sold. No, I am. You are. I, love okay. Julie I think she's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the tale of Guinevere and Lancelot. Yeah. Obviously, you learn that in this show. You do learn that. Classic you, story. It's. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of times where I do the the storyline of Spamalot does seep into the story of Camelot, and I have to try and remind myself that. Hang on, which one was that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is which? There's less fish slapping in Camelot. Yes, yeah, there that's is. how you can tell them apart. <laughs> um, there's, I think, there's a really interesting. Like you forget how many years the story spans yeah and you see Guinevere change a lot throughout the I'm, maybe it's because I'm coming at it from a female perspective mm. and probably a little that she's you know the point of this love triangle yeah but I feel like it's her story I think more than yeah more than anything else I think <laughs> if there was a so revival, I look more... at it really as her story and going from the simple joys of maidenhood through to the ends you really see quite a change of her understanding of how the world works and and her understanding of love and and um her expectations i guess that that first song is so sweet and innocent and doe-eyed and kind of actually a bit dumb 
Yeah. It's naive. It's yeah. it's hyper naive. Yeah. Like they've they've really pushed that point, and that's a funny song to sing. Um, great audition piece for a, a young woman, by the way. Um, but yeah, that that shift in her is actually really lovely to watch and well plotted in this show. I think. Yeah, it's a good way to portray a female character <laughs> as much as you can in that story. Yeah. I think it is. I think. That you know they did, considering nineteen sixties, cons- yes. you know all these things considered, they did well. I think they actually did okay. Yeah. And um, like you were saying, if they were to redo this now, you would you would tweak the treatment of that character yeah. a fair bit. You just you actually you'd bring more of the humanity that's in the book to her as well because. Yeah. And what I love about this story is that when, you know, Arthur finds out, oh, okay, they got feelings for each other. He has his little soliloquy and he's, think, he's like considering raging and demanding vengeance and stuff. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that because I love them both. It's not their fault. And he kind of just, you know, he just lets it happen, but secretly and subtly. And what do yeah. we learn yeah, from I was that, say, Did we learn how to navigate a love triangle from Capital? <laughs> well, I think that's one of the better ways yeah. to be like, you know what? They love each other, and I get that because yeah. yeah. I love them both as well. Three, no. Um. And, and, <laughs> and if he wasn't a king who literally had to be married to his queen, otherwise yeah. his country would fall apart. I think he would have handled it even better. He would have just yeah. been like, you know what? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Any other lessons before we move on? No. I'm no. Good. Miranda, <laughs> I'm good. You good? Oh, this is just—it's lovely. It is yeah. a lovely yeah. show. Yeah. Let's play that music, producer Zane. interstitials are really quite surprising today i'm not really sure what's going to come next but it's fun i like it i like not knowing yeah it's, it's good that way thanks again to our friend benedict braxton smith for writing all the music for us and now we move on to dreamcast 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 um who would we put in the big roles in the big ones in Arthur, the... lancelot guinevere i think Guinevere of today is a Sutton Foster for me. Yeah, nice. Just big the and really picking up on that transition from the naivety and still giving her a little bit of spunk. I yeah. think yeah. that's that's right in her wheelhouse. Yeah, nice. Yeah. She's not quite as classical a singer as yeah. as that's Dame nice. Julia Andrews. <laughs> um, but I kind of think that if you were going to try it again now, that would be a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. To not be Julie Andrews. Yes. Because mm. I think that kind of is where Vanessa Redgrave went wrong. They were like, can you just be as Julie Andrews as possible? And I think that's and where all the revivals it, have possibly gone wrong, is just just be Julie Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> I know she's great and all, but... <laughs> but you've hired these people for a reason. It's a new yeah. direction. Yeah. Hire yeah. Julie Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you agree with Sutton Foster, Maddie? I would. She wouldn't... And she, it'd be great because she wouldn't play, which is the temptation with... Guinevere when it's simplified and not given humanity to play her as a femme fatale. Yes. Guinevere's not a femme fatale. No. She's and, a uh, yeah. boss. She, yeah. And yeah, she would give her a lot of humanity and understanding and warmth but and strength and agency. It would be great. Nice. <laughs> um, what about Arthur? What about Arthur? What about Arthur? Well, like, <laughs> if we were to cast him per se, who would we put in that role? I'm stuck on this one. I honestly don't know. Stuck on Arthur? Yeah. Oh, I'm a sucker for Kevin Klein in anything. And Kevin I think Klein. Kevin Klein would nail it. All right. <laughs> All right. 
Miranda's thinking about it. She's picturing it. She's looking yeah. at it and she likes it. I think I do. <laughs> I think I do. Kevin Klein. How's Kevin's singing voice? Well, apparently he only has to half sing it anyway, according to the hey! last review. So. He only has to half sing it anyway. And he got a Tony Award for Pirate, for Pirate King. He was Amazing. Pirate King. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Good old Kevin oh, I Klein. probably knew it when we did the Pirates episode, but uh, forgot, obviously. <laughs> but he's a mighty singer. And yeah, I think he would he would probably play it down. He wouldn't be as Pirate King-y, in, especially because he's, he's a bit older now. But, but yeah, I think he would really lean into the half singing and, you know, yeah. he's a tremendous actor. And Yeah. Nice. If we were to make this more of a comedy or bring out the irony of it, would he be able to do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. He's in. He's in. He just did a, um, I don't know how recent it was, but he was in Present Laughter by Noel Coward. So funny. Nice. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. And Lancelot? Um, Look, I'm not, he's played Lancelot before. John Mm. Kransky? Krasinski, sorry. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Really? (laughs) uh, Yeah, but I can't find in what. Like, it's very unclear. Um, I'd happily cast John Krasinski in anything. He's got such a good look for it. Could you imagine him and like, yes, yeah, in anything and nothing all the same time. (laughs) I don't mean to to what is it? He was he was Lancelot in Shrek. Oh, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) But classic of modern cinema. (laughs) This is it. Best choice I could have made. Accidentally, Uh, I'm a okay with John Krasinski. I'm just about to Unless start you need watching somebody, Jack Ryan, so. You need somebody with a little bit more of a sort of classical croony voice, right? Crooner? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a belter. What about yeah. like oh. Zachary Levy? That, that would be leaning more or towards Michael Zachary. Or Michael Bublé. Or Michael Bublé. Enough of that. <laughs> uh, and that is the one and only time we'll be casting Michael Bublé. <laughs> <laughs> Any other casting for the other roles? Morgana. She's the only one I remember. Um, The Knights. Christopher Lloyd played Pelinor in a 2008 (gasps) version with Gabriel Byrne. And that was, like, he was destined to play that role. Like, I've informed my own kind of style of writing because of that personification. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't stop thinking about people who I love to see in, in... Those old Do it. medieval suits. Who's the guy who plays the lead? Plays Jamie in Outlander. Oh yeah, oh that guy. Why don't I remember? He's the one name that I don't remember. Outlander. It's Outlander. The guy who plays Jamie. Sam Hughan. Oh, oh yes, Sam Hughan. Hughan. Is there a role for a Scottish prince in this? Uh, he can play any role he likes. But the main question is, what will Zac Efron play? Uh, Mordred. Oh, Miranda's just staring at me. I, I would like to see him play Mordred. Yeah. Just a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> Who comes in and says, my money says Camelot sucks. <laughs> What's he going to do, do about it? <laughs> Okay, we don't often put him in the bad guy roles, so but I, think I think he'd have fun yeah. with it. He could put on some black eyeliner. Totally. I, I, honest. The more I think about it, the more I like it. And yeah. If we straighten <laughs> his hair a bit. Yeah, I like it. All right, I'm sold, guys. Let's do it. Let's, this is good. Let's I put think on the good job. Well done. Yeah. All right, well Stephen. Done. You know what to do. Fund this revival of Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Steve. Reach out, <laughs> and uh, we'll give you this musical interlude to do it.
where does it sit? Top five, Lerner and Low. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say top five musicals based on a book. Ooh. Oh, that's a big top five list. Hey, yeah. you know. But that'll come down to whether Les Mis makes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a controversial topic. Um, I definitely give you top five uh, presentations of the Arthurian legend. Yes. Oh, yeah. Did you enjoy the way I said that? I did like that. Yeah, <laughs> I stole it from you. <laughs> um, is it a top five female character arc? I think the revival could turn it into one. Okay. I agree. Should this mysterious revival that we have now cast. Guys, come look. <laughs> maybe our patrons can help us out. Top five <laughs> shows ready for a revival to put it into context. Yeah. Like, I think it, that's helpful. I think so yeah. too. Top five. Top five costume musicals. Okay. Yay. I think the costumes in it are fantastic. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of potential. Um, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about um, the court jester. Yes. And yes. It, you know, it has that same appeal. And we were talking about um, uh, you know, the ridiculous amount of costume changes for no reason. <laughs> and in particular, the, the one female character who every single time you see her, new dress. Just inexplicably <laughs> new dress. There's all these scenes. They're happening in the same day, new dress, every scene. Um but yeah, this that's from a similar era, yep. and the style of of the costuming in that, and the style of the costuming in Camelot, um, was very much the same. And uh, it's sort of the similar thing that you see in Kiss Me Kate in that movie. Yeah. It's that very nineteen fifties stylized, corseted, <laughs> medieval look. Mm. Um, but I think that you could have a lot of fun playing with a a different maybe more gritty playing against yeah. type in many ways yeah like, I, I think it'd be cool if like yeah for like england they were more gritty and more kind of traditional like yeah. actual historical kind of costuming but then when far less gold lamay than you might yeah. imagine <laughs> but then when lancelot comes in from the joyous guard of france you know he's wearing shoulder capes and he's yes. glittering and he's yeah. shining so he's like this and that would accentuate how kind of isolated he is from everyone else because he holds himself to this and how much sexier he is yeah god damn right (laughs) if you've got it yourself a fancy cape john krasinski can wear any fancy cape he likes (laughs) um do we sit does it sit on any other top fives um okay controversial one top five like legitimately scores i was about to say does the music sit on a top five list the music's definitely um up there but I don't know. I guess this is a subjective list. Yes. yes. Like, I did enjoy... I was expecting not to... I'm not a massive fan of super classical-esque <laughs> musicals. I'm very much a contemporary gal. But I very, very much enjoyed listening to this musical. And I think it's because it's light and comedic, even if it's, that wasn't the initial intention. Mm. Mm. Which makes me wonder what it would be like if we just, like hammed it (laughs) (laughs) like that's what it needs right just a bit of ham yeah or spam spam. (laughs) (laughs) maybe we could do like a double header of camelot and spamalot people would be so confused (laughs) the same same cast in the same roles but act one act one act two act two and see what happens (laughs) and you play them on different stages right next to each other at the same time and people make your choice (laughs) but I was thinking you might just do it in rep, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And, um, we'll workshop at, it. 
Another list uh, given to me by producer Zane. Oh, yes. Uh, top five male audition songs, c'est moi. And oh. I would testify to that because I have auditioned <laughs> with c'est moi. <laughs> c'est moi? C'est moi. moi. Oh, c'est moi. C'est moi. C'est moi. Um, <laughs> all right. I think we've we've got we've gotten the comprehensive Camelot Top Five list done. Um, Maddie, you have some other podcasts that you are on, not only uh, on our network, Indeed. not only that you host, but some that you write for. Quite so. You edit and edit. Do you want to tell us what they are? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is fun. If you just keep going. <laughs> uh, so. My Kyotis out there will know me as Old Maddie from Delicious Word Sandwich, uh, an adventure literary podcast in which I eventually analyze books, turn them into sandwiches, and go on like serialized kind of Saturday morning cartoon adventures with a caricature of myself. Wow. And I alternate that uh, sporadically because I'm determined to get the next one done because it takes a lot of editing uh, <laughs> with uh, interviews with uh, um, authors far and wide. Did you just say you turned a book into a sandwich? Quite. Yeah. I break down each element of the book and I turn each element into an ingredient of a sandwich and put it together. Amazing. Because consuming hardbacks raw hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. You can listen to... Was there another one? There's another one. Yes, and I appear as a co-host on Hooked, uh, which is a... Uh, I sometimes I miss sessions. <laughs> Don't we all? We, we all. Yes, I missed the last two of these. Julia hasn't triggered anybody. <laughs> um, Shout out to Julia, our friend. And that's a very fun podcast in which we uh, pitch story hooks for D and D adventures, and I like to think just general kind of writing as well. Amazing. Yeah. Is there any others? Yeah. So Stephen Sondheim, if you want some ideas, you could also go there. Just You're so. hooked. Yeah. And Thanks, coming Steve. up soon, mm-hmm. I'm hoping as our summer blockbuster for That's Not Canon Productions is the Earnest Tale of Flanagan. Amazing. An original audio drama written by me, produced by me and Zane and Tom Harris, and starring me. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done, guys. All of those podcasts will be available via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Because you found us here. Just keep on whatever looking. you're listening. So just keep looking. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Musicals Teach Me. On Facebook at Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. You can find us at our home on the web at that's not canon.com forward slash M T M E I K. You can also email us at Musicals Taught Me Podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to join the wonderful people of the world that give us a little bit of dollars every month, we are <laughs> appreciate you greatly you can head to patreon.com forward slash musicals taught me everything i know miranda's dancing in the studio that's how much we love you and that is all for us thanks miranda thanks kb thanks old maddie mercy (laughs) we will see you next time guys Bye. bye Good morrow, mein Kiotis.
Tis I, your once in future pal, old Matty. Through fortuitous wheeling and or dealing, old Matty bamboozled, hoodwinked, and duped himself an official That's Not Canon production podcast. Delicious Word Sandwich, the only podcast that transforms literary readables into scrumptious edibles, and the only literature podcast ever made, probably. Get a questionable recipe and an impeccable book breakdown all in one by the month as old Matty reviews a New Yorker short story, shares some advice from the almighty titan and old Matty's idol, Ernest Hemingway, then finally transforms every element of classic novel into ingredients. Example, marvel as I turn the Maltese Falcon's cynical characters into smoky bitter cheese and its hard-boiled plot into an egg. Shell included. All the while, Delicious Word Sandwich chronicles old Maddie's madcap misadventures in which he conquers death. So be sure to catch Delicious Word Sandwich on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and in your demonically possessed spaghetti. Until then, farewell, my cuties. And that's not kind of productions podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 